0: exciting today to get to the end of this series and to see all that Solomon has been telling us and the Holy Spirit has been telling us in his word. It's the ninth week. Lots of wisdom that we can apply to our lives and choices that we can make. And every choice, and every decision that you and I make, every decision that we will encounter this week, that you'll encounter this afternoon, that you'll encounter the rest of your life at the end of every decision that you make, whether you're leading people, whether you're by yourself, at the end of everything you do is a person, a relationship. So Solomon is going to show us today that we need to lift up others. We need to support them. We need to restore our lives and others' lives. In fact, I would say it this, a wisdom restores our lives and the lives of others. It's imperative that we don't forfeit a relationship that God has pushed us to or has given us for the sake of our own needs and our own wants. And so as we wrap this up in the world that we live in, they must look at the Christian church and those who call them Christ followers and say, wow, you value relationships so much that you were willing to do this or say this. It's the most important way that we can show others that we can be in harmony with one another. And so it's important to restore others and lift others up. And so you're going to see that as we wind it down to these last three sayings and we get to the end, Solomon is once again going to say relationships are very important. Wisdom restores our lives and the lives of others. Grab your Bibles and we'll go on a journey together and turn to Proverbs chapter 24. And we're going to read verses 28 to 34. Proverbs 24 verses 28 to 34. If you need a Bible, hold your hands up. Our ushers will put one in your hand. Proverbs 24 verses 28 to 34. When you find that, join me by standing and we'll read this out loud together. Proverbs 24, verses 28 to 34. Let's read this together out loud. Ready, read. Do not testify against your neighbor without cause. Would you use your lips to mislead? Do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who had no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. You may have a seat, but look back at verse 28. Do not... Look what it says there. Do not testify against your neighbor without cause. Would you use your lips to mislead? Always take the high road when it comes to relationships. In other words, for the, for the sake of the relationship, make sure you don't do what they've done to you. If they mistreated you, you don't give them back to you. Make sure that the words that you speak, even if you've been hurt, even if there's a friendship involved, even if you have an enemy, don't do to them what they've done to you. It sounds simple, doesn't it? Look at it again. Like this should, should be really simple. Do not testify against your neighbor. Without cause, would you use your lips to mislead? Don't use your lips to mislead. Do not talk against your neighbor. Sounds simple, okay. I choose not to do that. But when you've been hurt, when you have an enemy... When someone's trying to get the best out of you and does whatever they can to do that, even in a harmful way, our response shouldn't be what they've done to us. We should respond in such a way that we're different than them, that the life of Christ is reflected to us. Why? Because the primary reason that you and I are here is to point others to Jesus Christ. So that when the world looks at us, they will say, Wow. The aroma that's dripping from your pores is different than the aroma that's dripping from my pores. I would have handled that differently. And in turn, you point people to Jesus Christ. Solomon tells us, do not speak lies against someone by misusing your lips. Until you have been, and most of us have, some of us more than others. Until you've been on the receiving end of someone saying something about you, doing something to you and you having to forgive them until you've been there and walked in those shoes where someone has said something that wasn't true, said something hurtful, and then you had a choice to forgive them. Until you've done that, you won't really understand how important this is. Yet Solomon says, it is something that we should do. Now think about for him for a second. This is Solomon. Imagine all the critics that he had. Imagine all the people as he was king said, "I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you served that way. I can't believe you let your 500,000 kids do that." I mean, he had tons of kids, tons of wives, and every decision. I can't believe that you like you're, I can't believe you're taking God's money and doing that. He was always under the microscope of thousands of people because of his influence, because of his power. So Basically, I would say, as many of these Proverbs that we're reading come from his own experience. Come from him facing it, dealing with it, and saying, I failed here, that one doesn't work, I better do this. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he wrote these Proverbs so that we can learn from him. I believe to forgive someone who speaks poorly about you and your family might be the bravest act that you'll ever do on planet Earth. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it takes great courage, more courage than almost anything to look at someone who has said something about you, who has harmed you with their words or actions in your family and look at them with the love of Christ and say, I forgive you in the name of Jesus Christ. It might be the bravest thing that you'll ever do. Why? Because we like holding on. We like having what we think is the upper hand by holding that over them and holding that against him. That this proverb says, always take the high road and when it comes to relationship. One translation says it this way. Don't talk about your neighbors behind their backs. To slander or gossip, make sure you take the high road. You know, one of the things our family likes to do is to eat, go out to eat after the third service. So don't judge me for that, okay? We eat together after every service. Just kidding. So after every service, after a great day of ministry, we go out and we go to various restaurants and and, and, and so I love going to restaurants with my family and sitting down and eating. Sometimes it's fast food, sometimes it's sit down and all the variety and sitting in the waiting room and then I love sitting with people when it works out that way and ask them how church with them, where they went to church and, and it's amazing what you can learn about yourself through other people that you never knew before. It's amazing what people will say about the church. And I've often wondered, what is it that, that, that people come from grace, what do they say when, when they speak about those that they worship beside? What do they say about the church that, that, that they call home? All these churches. Just sit with people sometime and sit with them, ask them about their church, ask them about their experience. Are you lifting people up? restoring lives or are you tearing down lives? Solomon says this, do not misuse your lips or speak disparagingly about anyone. Imagine a world for a second, just if you can. Imagine a world where we treated one another with enough dignity to never speak poorly about them. Imagine going to your your job this afternoon or tonight or tomorrow. Imagine going into your school. Imagine pouring into your driveway. Imagine meeting with your team at work where no one ever spoke poorly about anyone. Imagine going to a worship service where afterwards in the hallways no one ever spoke poorly about someone. Where everywhere you went, the Christians just constantly built one another up. Imagine a place. Imagine the world looking and saying, I've never seen that before. Why? Why? Because we should be different. The Holy Spirit lives in us and we have a choice in silence. Don't misuse your lips. How do we keep from speaking poorly about other people? How do you do that? Well, here's some practical things along the way. When someone brings something up, ask them, have you consulted the other person? When someone begins talking about someone, ask them right away, have you consulted whether or not you can share this information? Or just excuse yourself and let them know that you prefer not to discuss this without them. Have you ever done that? Have you been in a conversation where someone comes up where you just like hit the pause button and said, wait a minute. I'm leaving until you're finished here. And I want you to know that what you're saying isn't what Christ would want you to say. So I'm going to leave. You can call me back when you're finished and let me know. Have you ever done that, someone? I've done it. They look at you like. They don't know what to do with that. Why? Because you call them out in the name of Jesus and the Spirit of God convicts them. I've done that many times. Just I'll go like this. Hold on a second. Have you asked that person whether or not you can and have permission? And I want you to know that I'm leaving right now. Call me back when you're finished talking about that person because I have no parts of it. They look at you like, whoa. But that's what we should do. We're Christ followers. Like, we shouldn't entertain this kind of conversation. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be people who add to the gossip mill. Another thing I would do, pray for the person instead of talking about them. If you feel the need, like, if you feel the need for gossip coming up and someone's bringing up, just stop and say, hey, let me pray for them. Jesus, I pray you bless the socks off. You know what that does to someone that's gossiping? They don't know what to do with that. Like, stop right away and say, wait, just hold on a second. I want to pray, okay? Lord, I thank you for this person. I pray, God, that you would lift them up. God, I pray that you would bless their hands, everything they touch, everything they say, in Jesus' name. And say, what was that you were saying? So you can turn the whole direction by giving it to God and removing it from another person. Consider the damage that it causes to the body of Christ. I often use this visual. Paul uses this this visual for us in the New Testament when he talks about the body of Christ has arms. The body of Christ has legs. The body of Christ has a head. And and, and basically, just picture if you can, a Mr. Potato Head. Every single time. Picture every single time that you say something disparagingly about another brother and sister. You you, you yank off an ear. You, you yank off a foot. You 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 yank out an eye, you pull out an eye, and then you well, maybe you even pull off the, those big lips are on Mr. Potato Head. You pull up you pull off those lips and you say, Here's the body of Christ. Don't you want some of this? Paul is saying every single time in the New Testament, and Solomon is saying, Don't speak disparagingly or poorly about someone, because when you do, you fracture relationships, you, you dismember legs, you 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 gouge out eyes. Christ followers should be different in the way we talk about one another. Consider the grace that God has given you when you feel the need to talk about someone else. Like that one there should stop you in your tracks. Like just stop and say, wow, in light of my life, in light of what I just said, in light of what I just did, in light of the grace that God continues to give me when I fall and fall and fall and fall and fall and fall and fall again. And he forgives and forgives and forgives. In light of what Christ has done for me, what right do I have not to forgive and give grace to them? Ask yourself this question when you feel the need to to, to fire back. Ask yourself this question when you feel the need to gossip. Why do I want to do this? Like, what's in me that causes me... Like, to want to just gossip. Like, what, what's in me when, when someone else, and you might say, well, I didn't say it, so I'm not guilty. But, but you're in a circle, and you're in a place, maybe you're with them, and they start talking about someone, and every part of you is like leaning in. It's like, you're like a vacuum cleaner, you just want, give me more. What is in us that causes us to want to read rumor mills on the internet? What is in us to want to read reports about people who have fallen? Like for the life of me, I don't understand why people love to read stories of failure and then they'll hit it and then they'll share it on social media. Like for the life of me, something is broken in your life when you want to entertain gossip. Something's broken. Something is deeply broken. Underneath, down below, somewhere, when you want to gossip, there is a root that is growing. And you know what happens is? You you need to feed that root so you continue to gossip. And the more you, you continue to gossip, the more you water it. And that root goes deeper and deeper and deeper and is sturdier and sturdier. And until someone comes along and takes a chainsaw and cuts it off, you will not stop gossiping. So do you? Let me ask yourself this question. Are there times... You like hearing about someone because I didn't know that. What, what, what was it? And, and you justify it by saying, are, are you sure you should be saying that? Tell me some more. No, don't. Tell me, tell me. Come on. Come on, come on. <laughs> There's something broken in us where we want to read the gossip and rumor mills. Like, are you that person? Like you like reading reports, and you want to feel, see why did he leave her, and why did she leave him, and why did he marry her, and how come she didn't stay there? And you find yourself, oh, I gotta love it. <laughs> give me a coke and give me some chocolate. Let me read guys. Something's broken. Solomon says you don't want anything to do with that. After hearing something about someone that has harmed you or wronged you. Now, Think about this one. You're in a room, and you're in a circle, where someone begins to lift this person up. Like, they thank God for them. I thank God for this person, because they did this for me. And because of them, my walk is different. You're in a room, and this person who has done something to you, or said something about you, when someone else lifts them up or praises them, something inside of you says, Yeah! But this is what I know. When you begin to entertain that thought, something's broken in you. There's a root of bitterness, of anger, of jealousy, of slander. And if you can't sit in that room and let that person praise that other person, what Christ has done through them, without saying, yeah, but did you know this? You're probably guilty of gossip. Gossip is probably the greatest sin that goes unconfronted in Christian circles today. I believe that many Christians will be in for the shock of their lives when they stand before Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said... Many will stand before him one day and say, but Lord, Lord, I did this. But Lord, Lord, I did that. But Lord, Lord, I cast out demons. But Lord, Lord, I, led, I fed many people. But Lord, Lord, I, and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Do you know that God looks so down on gossipers and slanders that he says this in scripture? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look what God says through Paul in regards to slander and gossip. Look what he said. He, he looks so horribly upon those who do this, that he actually said this through Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Look what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we'll begin with verse 9. He says, Or, do you know, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkers, nor what? What's the word? Slanders. Like, come on. You mean that's the same as men having sex with men? You mean that's the same as adultery? Yes. Nor swindlers will inherit the what? Kingdom of God. Let me tell you, God takes this seriously, by the way. Don't be that person who gossips. Don't let be that person who slanders. Solomon's saying, it's not worth it. Because the damage that not only does it does, does for against you, but for the body of Christ is complete destruction. Paul goes on to say this even later to the church in Galatia. Look what he says in Galatians chapter 5. Look at 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Look at Galatians chapter 5. It's as if he needed to repeat this. Because not only was the church at Corinth having trouble with this, but the church at Galatia was having troubles with it too. Look what he says in Galatians chapter 5. Look at verses 19 to 21. Paul says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, and what's the next word? Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of what? Jealousy, discord, factions, it's all words. It's things we say, things we speak about people. He said, you better back up and ask yourself this question, number one first. Am I truly born again? If this pattern in my life continues, you have to ask the question and you have the right to ask the question of someone who calls himself a Christ follower. Do you truly, have you truly ever asked Christ to be the Lord and leader of your life? Because a Christ follower cannot continue to live that way and call himself a follower of Jesus. The greatest gift you might be able to give someone other than Jesus is to never gossip or speak about them poorly. but we do it real subtle ways and here's how it happens it starts with our families it starts with the way husbands talk about their wives and wives talk about their husbands like one of the things that disturbs my heart the most is when i hear husbands talk about their wives this way and they use this they say the wife yeah the wife <laughs> you know the wife It's like, all of a sudden, they put this this definitive article in front of this noun that's just this object or this possession. Like, I own her. Yeah, the wife. You know, the wife. I got to go home to the wife. Do you got to go home to the wife? That's slander. And the word of God says we're to treat her as a precious vessel. We're supposed to prepare her as a radiant bride before Jesus Christ. And some of us who call ourselves Christ followers have literally diminished the value of our wives by saying the wife or the husband. You know how else you do it? The way you speak about your kids, same way. Yeah, the kids, they're driving me nuts. The kids used to be great till the kids came. Listen, that's slander. That's discord. You think it's building your kids up? Like, hey, dad called us the kids again. No, that's tearing them down, knocking them off at the knees, hitting them upside the head. You're not placing value in them. You're cutting them off at the knees. Doesn't the Bible say that children are reward from the Lord and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them? Doesn't it tell us in Scripture that he who finds a wife finds a good thing, not the wife? Listen, guys. Listen, ladies. Husbands and wives, mothers and fathers. You might be slandering and gossiping your own children, your own husband or wife, by the way you talk about them. Know the ways you do it? The way you entertain in conversation when you talk about your husband with other women. Yeah, my husband. do you know my husband? He's nothing like him. I wish my husband was like that. That's gossip. That's slander. Yeah, my wife,, yeah. I got home with my wife and did. Let me tell you let me tell you a story about what my wife did last night. Let me tell you what she said. Listen, that's slander. Don't entertain it. You want to talk about your wife? You want to talk about your husband? Build them up. Lift them up. Pray for them. You want to talk about your kids? praise them don't point out all their faults some just go and go right away and tell everyone what they've done wrong and then what they do they tell the whole social media world boy it's been a rough day with these kids i can't believe boy i can't wait till they get out of their twos you think that somehow that's lifting your kid up no it's tearing them down it's it's slander and so if you're doing it at home it makes it that much easier to do it somewhere else Is there someone in your life where you are failing to love and move on? Tell them I said hello. (laughs) Those that talk about others have lots to hide about themselves. Do you hear that? Those who talk about others have lots to hide about themselves. If people are constantly talking about others, you know why they're doing that? Gossiping about others. Because they don't want you to know about them. Let me tell you a little truth, some truths about gossip in case you didn't know this. Whoever gossips with you will gossip about you. Like if you're, if you're in a group where someone's constantly gossiping, listen, know what they do when they leave you? (laughs) They're talking about you. On a personal note, I have found out much about myself that I didn't know from rumors and gossip. I did like, Hey people have these rumors out about me and my family, about my kids, about Grace Community Church, and sometimes they get back to me. It's like, what? I didn't know that about myself. Wow. I, I didn't know that we did that as a church. Wow. And I say this facetiously, but what I, I enjoy doing it, sitting down and going to restaurants earlier. I said, go to the restaurant. And when the opportunity arises and I sit beside someone that's waiting, I'll ask them where they go to church and, and they'll speak about their church. And I say, that's a great church. And if I know the pastor, he's a great man of God. And, I, and, and, and then and then Torsi, they look at me and then they say, you go to church too? So, yeah, I, I go. Where do you go to church? I go, I go to Grace Community Church. So then I'll ask them this right up. What have you heard about Grace Community Church? <laughs> I tell you what, I learned lots of things about myself and about others at Grace Community Church that I didn't know before. And on occasion, it's been so much fun because then I then they'll say some things and yeah, but you know that pastor there, that guy's kind of wowed. I've heard that. He screams at me every Sunday. Heard that one. Then I'll, and then and they'll ask me how my ball, but and then I'll pull up my business card and hand it to him. <laughs> Have a great day. Be careful, Solomon's saying how you speak. Be careful what you say. Secondly, look at the next proverb that he gives us as we move on to these sayings. Look what he says next. He says in verse 29, do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. Revenge and paybacks lead to regrets. No one wins when we treat others in the same way they have mistreated us. When we throw dirt, we lose ground. Now, this is a visual that you've heard before, but it's worth saying. Every time that you dig dirt and you throw it on someone else, you're digging a rut. The more dirt you throw, the lower you go and the deeper you go and the deeper the trench is. So when you continue to throw it on others, when you continue to gossip, when you continue to keep digging and throwing on them, all you're doing is you're finding yourself in a deeper hole. So picture, every time you slander someone, every time you say something, every time you want to get something back, you go deeper and deeper in a hole that God must pull you out of. Revenge and paybacks lead to, Two regrets. Jesus had a lot to say about this. In fact, he said some of the strongest words in scripture in regards to how we judge and how we treat others. Look what he said in Matthew chapter 7. Keep your finger here. Matthew chapter 7. This, these are the words that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 7. Look at verses 1 and 2. These were words from Jesus. He was having this conversation in, 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 in sermon on the mount, and then he says this and Judges... Or in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Look what he says here. Do not judge, or you too will be what? Look again. Do not judge, or you too will be what? Look in verse 2. For in the same way you what others, you will be what? And with the measure you use, it will be what to you? So now just picture that for a second. Here's what that means. And this is Jesus. These are his words. He's looking at these people and he's preaching. He says, do not judge. Because the way you judge others, you will be judged. So... However that is, how far you go, whatever the depth is, whatever, how, how deep and how wide you tell everyone, whatever you do, however you hold it against them, whatever, whatever you are willing to do, the measure to which you judge and you keep bringing it up and you jot it down and you point out and you, you, you got this list and you say, yeah, here, let me tell you. And there it is. The, me- the, the the, the, the way that you judge is the way Christ will judge you. Now, then he said, the measure to which, how much, how deep, how far, how willing, that's how God judges you. So every single time you sin and I sin, guess how much judgment comes from God. Guess the depth to which he'll point out our faults. Guess what it is. It's the measure to which you go to judge someone else. I'm like, I'm just giving grace then. That's it. Like... Grace, 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 grace. Yeah, you're forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Why? Because the measure to which, by the way, isn't that what God does for us? We repent. What's He do? Grace forgives. We 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 sin. Repent. What's He do? Gives grace. And then he says, You know what? I choose not to remember it no more. So here's what happens the same way that we judge and forgive others or choose not to, that measure God gives back. And I know something, and this is speaking for me I need lots of grace. I guess when I think about that, some must, some people must really enjoy gossip and slander and revenge. I would picture it this way. Picture when you say something, it's kind of like a boomerang. You you you, you say something about someone, you throw it out there. You gossip. You judge. And you chuck it out there. You tell the whole wire. Let me send. Retweet. Here's what happens. It's like a boomerang. You walk it down the street one day. It came back. You're running down the street. You said something two weeks ago. And you're feeling pretty good. <laughs> God just levels you, flattens you with the same judgment and the same measure that you gave to someone else. Now, listen, if you didn't hear anything, I hope you heard that. You might say, well, you have a pastor, Jim. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how much It hurt. Do you know what you did to Jesus Christ? Do you know how much you hurt him and we hurt him? We sent him to the cross. Have you been to the cross lately? You see, the only thing that we could ever offer Jesus Christ for our salvation was our sin. Like, seriously, think about it. Okay, God, thank you for my salvation. <laughs> he says, what do you got? Sin. We didn't give him anything for our salvation, but Sin. When I was a kid, I memorized the verse in the King James and it went something like this. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The NIV says this in Luke six thirty one: Do to others as you would have them do to you. Romans chapter 12 and verses 19 to 21 tells us to love them, to feed our enemies. To those who have wronged us, feed them, love them, care for them. I picture Paul because I'm sure he got all kinds of criticism, all kinds of judgment, because you know what he did before he became Paul, who wrote 13 books of the New Testament? You know what he did on weekends? He shot Christians. That's what he did. He killed Christians. He walked around and, 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 and he, he would either send them to jail or say, hey, let's just kill them. Christian, Yeah. <laughs> And then one day he had this Damascus Road experience where Christ radically changed his life. He converted to Christianity. He became a person of the way. And and barely like four or five weeks later, he's out preaching. Can you imagine him standing up on a Sunday morning? You come in here, mass murderer, now preaching at Grace Community Church. How many of you would walk in and say, I'm so glad you're here? How many of you would walk in and judge? You think, he doesn't have the right. He didn't go to college. He hasn't read the New Testament yet. He doesn't have the ability. No. The measure to which you judge, God will judge you. Paul knew a lot about being criticized. Paul knew exactly what it was like. And he says, listen, instead of hating your enemies, feed them. I always picture Paul when I read this in Romans chapter 12. I bet he carried food and drink with him everywhere he went. Because he got all kinds of criticism and hatred. All right, give him another 24 case of pop. All right, gets the bread out. Hey, do we got enough because we're going to to, to the, the city of Corinth. And so he probably packed up all this food because I believe he did more than just tell us to do these things. I believe he did more than just say, feed them. I believe he did more than just say, give them something to drink. I believe he did more than just say, love them. I believe he did it. I believe he carried a chariot full of food with him everywhere he went. And when someone began to judge him, he got his servants to say, hey, just go feed them. Hey, just, just go give them some clothes. Hey, just go take care of them and tell them, Jesus loves you. And even Paul does. What right do we have to seek revenge considering the daily grace that God has given us? Ask yourself these questions. If you're seeking revenge or not, are you secretly wishing misfortune for someone? Are you able to pray for God's best for them? Or is it like, "Oh Lord, you could give them this, but man, I just couldn't handle if their business went here. Oh Lord, I pray for blessing on their life, but please God, don't give them that platform. Oh Lord. When he was my coach, man, he did this to me. So, like, give him like a 500 season, but I could not handle it. They're the national champions. You might be battling revenge. Are you upset when you hear how God answered a prayer and came through for them? Have you ever been in a circle, and all of a sudden, this person's name? I can recall a situation of someone who, 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 Who didn't like the way a situation was handled in their life with me? And I was sitting in a circle with them. I had already forgiven them. And I was sitting in a circle and I shared this story about Grace Community Church how someone had come in and blessed us with this unusual lump financial sum to help out with our, with our, with our, with our our, 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 building campaign out of nowhere. And I remember sharing, I was sitting with a group of pastors and I shared this story about God's grace. And this, the look on this person's face told me everything. They hated it. Are you that person? Have you planted seeds of discourse with others about them in conversations? Do you enjoy watching people struggle? Do you walk to the other side of the room or hall when you face them like, like you're walking along and they've done something to you and you're like having a really good day? You, know, you sit and you're just hoping, you're just hoping. That they don't come and talk to you. Have you chosen not to forgive someone? Do you start sentences? like this, boy, I want to believe the best about them now, but revenge is the confession of unresolved bitterness. And bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Psalm 94, 1 and 2 reminds us that that vengeance is the Lord. He will repay. Life is too short to seek revenge over everyone that wrongs you. Look how he closes up the book. Here, we're going to look at the end. I mean, it's powerful. Look, look what he says now, the last saying of the wise. Verse 30, he says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. Then he says this, he says, I applied my heart to what I observed. And I learned a what? Lesson from what I what? Saw a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. So he's walking by this vineyard, and he he ponders, and he says, "This doesn't make sense to me. Why are there thistles and thorns there? Why are there weeds? How how did that wall that used to stand up so strongly, secure, it was like a fortress, no one could get in." Why is it that these vineyards that were much, once just lushed with, with, grapes and fruit, with low-hanging fruit, it makes no sense to me that somehow now it's in bitter runes. How, 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 the, how is that possible? As he walked by, he asked the question, I don't understand. Why? Because they still had everything they needed to flourish. The weeds grew. There must have been water. The thorns and the thistle grew. There must have been water. The the wall was still there. I mean, it remained, but now it was falling over. Everything they needed was still available to them. And, and Solomon is saying, "This doesn't make sense. How did this happen? You know how? A little sleep, a little slumber." little folding of the hands. Too much remote control. And scarcity and poverty came upon them. And how did it happen? They had everything that they needed to make it right. The ground was rich enough to grow weeds and thorns. And the remains of a wall was still there. Yet Solomon said the gardener had no sense. He let it go to a complete waste. Solomon even answered the question. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And I love the language here. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. It was like it began with this little decision of fudging on my time card. It began by by going to work a little late because I was up playing video games all night. It began by, by this little seed of gossip. It began by entertaining this thought too far, this little action, this little decision. And all of a sudden, all these little things, all these little things build up. And you know what happened? All the thousands of little decisions crush the home, crush the marriage. It breached the wall. And he walked by and said, that doesn't make sense to me. I wonder how many times people ride by our lives. And they see brokenness. They see breached walls. They see thorns and thistles in relationships. And they go like this. That doesn't make sense to me. They had everything. They had Christ. They had the Holy Spirit. They had relationship. They had... The stones that could build a wall. They had fertile ground that could grow lush fruit. This doesn't make sense. But how did it happen? A little fudge here. A little waste of time there. A little fade there. A little fade there. And before you know it, they were way off course. You see, what should happen when people drive by our house, drive by our business, drive by our marriages, we should have incredible curb appeal and people say, wow, I want what they have. Are you fudging? How does it happen? Paul I think, said it best in 1 Timothy 4.7. He said, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. We must develop godly disciplines and train ourselves instead of letting our flesh win. All through this study, Solomon gives us words of wisdoms to be doers and not hearers only. Listen, we must train ourselves. We must beat our bodies. We must daily be in the word. It doesn't just happen for 12 weeks and take 12 weeks off. It's every day learning about God, spending time in his word, saturating our mind. It's every day cleaning our hearts. It's every day day eating correctly it 's every day having a physical exercise plan it 's every day working out a relationship it 's daily disciplines and you know what it takes hard work laziness so many people call themselves christ followers have just well I want my kid to do that hey, you need to read the Bible hey, you need to eat healthy hey you need to have a prayer life it 's every day. Praying without ceasing. It's every day sharing your faith. It's every day training your body to be godly. And if we don't, we will be the picture of people walking by and saying, that makes no sense. They had everything they needed to succeed in Christ. I know people right now who refuse to do hard work of following Jesus Christ because you've already got your list. Oh, I hurt here and I get up early for work. I go in late. I'm working 39 jobs. I mean, just, you got them. You got all the list. You know what? After a while, I don't want to hear them anymore. Nor does your wife, nor does your husband, nor does your dad, nor does your mom, nor does your coach, nor does your friend. If you want to have curb appeal for Jesus Christ, then train your body to be godly. Train your life to be godly. I find it interesting, this too. These 30 sayings, you know what it began with? It began by the first saying talking about, do not exploit the poor. Solomon begins by talking with poor. And when he gets to the end of the bonus round, you know what he ends up with? And poverty will come upon those that have a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. The book ends to the 30 sayings of the wise plus are poverty. One, don't exploit. Two, don't become like. We have some work to do. The good news is this. We have everything we need to succeed as Christ followers. We can have curb appeal and the aroma of Jesus Christ. When people ride by our lives, they can say, I want what that marriage has. I want what that business has. I want what that individual has because Christ lives in them. Lord, help us today. We have work to do, God. And the good news is this journey isn't a one-time event. It's, it's called progressive sanctification. We progressively sanctify ourselves to become more like you. It's a daily journey. And so, Lord, I pray today for those who have heard this message today when it comes to dealing with our lives. I pray that we would no longer leave here and go back to say, "One of these days, one of these days, one of these days." that today would be the day where everything changes. Thank you God for your grace. Thank you God that you forgive us. Thank you God that you've equipped us with every thing that we have and need. To live in such a way where you get greater glory and people run to you. Help us to be those people, please, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.